Wonderful. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, the reason I said yes to Josh is so I could use this thing. I don't know what you... Do you lean on it or do you... You can't do that. Anyway, riddle for you. My preach is about uh, pruning. Uh, It's about vines. It's about how God is the vine dresser. Uh, So I've got a gardening riddle. Uh, It's kind of a joke, but I like to call it a riddle in case it's not funny. Uh, But what flower is on your face? I'll give you a moment. Prize for anyone who gets it. This was the best of like a page of about 80 gardening jokes, so. (laughs) Tulips. Oh, thank you, Lord. I mean, if that's all I say tonight, that's been worth it, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. Um, Share it with someone this week. Let us turn to John 15, because it's just, it's great, isn't it? John chapter 15. (sighs) While you're turning, I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. You've proved that already. I thank you that you've got good plans for us. And Father, we just give ourselves afresh to you tonight. Uh, Whatever we're going through, whatever mess we've brought tonight, or however goody two-shoes we've been, God, we we come to you and say we want a fresh start now. We We want more of you. We want the fruit that you have for us, God. So would you lead us into whatever whatever is next in our lives, God? Amen. I shall read... I'm reading from the New International Version, anglicized, no Zs. Here we go, John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Thank you, Jesus. Um, now, before we do anything else, I think it's worth learning a bit about vine dressing, don't you? Um, so we're going to watch a little video. Again, I surprised on YouTube there's a lot of videos about how to tend your vines. I've, I've watched a lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was about a day. Um, 
Now, just, just in case you get worried, this video is only two and a half minutes long, and it does share slightly too much information, but I, it's all interesting. Um, so let's watch it. Um, and the significance of the pruning. That's, that's the point of it. So let's watch him. Yeah. Hi, I'm Stefano Watson, owner of Avio Vineyards in Sutter Creek, California. Uh, this time of year, we're busy pruning the vineyard. And uh, in terms of winemaking, the pruning really is the most important part of the winemaking process. Because what we do in the vineyard here at the beginning of the year is, has huge ramifications on the quality of the wine that we're making. So what I want to start off first with is really defining what uh, the parts of the grapevine of what we've got. We've got the, the trunk, and then we've got the cordons, and there's really, you know, or the arms. And there's, on this system, there are two arms because it's a dual cordon trellis system. Coming out of the cordon then are the spurs, and then from the spurs we have the canes, and that's where the grapes come off of, is on the canes each year. And so what we're doing now is grapes only come off of second year wood, we call it. So we have to prune back last year's wood so we can get new grapes on this right now. So what we're looking for off of each spur is to prune down to one cane. And on each cane, we prune to two buds. Each bud will then grow into a cane itself. And each cane then has two clusters. All right, so here's the spur. And so from last year, this is last year's wood, or the year before last. And then where we pruned, we wound up getting one cane coming off of here, which was originally was a bud, and then this one here. So this year, we want to go down to one cane. We prune there, and there's one bud at the base and one bud here, and we prune here. Then this bud will turn out to be a brand new cane for this year and one will come off here at the base and come on up and each cane will produce two clusters of grapes. So that pretty much wraps up on how what we do for uh, pruning in the vineyard. Um, as I said, you know, the work that we do out here really is about the quality of the wine that we make later on. Uh, we have 30 acres of grape here, a little over 12,000 vines. Uh, you can see it takes a little bit of thought and a little bit of process to get it done. It takes on average about 500 man hours to prune the entire vineyard. So thank you very much. This is Stefano with Avio Vineyards. Thank you, Seth. Uh, <laughs> Avio Vineyards, check them out, buy their wine. Uh, I don't know, when I was watching this, I mean, I'm a firm believer that you can nearly watch anything on the internet, but provided you pray before and say, Lord, speak to me then you can like get ruined by it. And this, I was like that. I was like, nearly everything he said, I was like, ah! Like, um, just me, obviously. Um, I don't know what stood out to you from watching that. Um, for me, I was astounded at the amount that gets chopped off every grapevine every year. This is, a, this is an annual event. It's like half, was it say, five months they spend doing this. Um, how much the vine dresser refines and cuts off to, to enable fruit. And you know, when we come to scripture, um, a lot of the time we read things at face value. Um, 
But you know, when we begin to understand the the world that Jesus is speaking into, uh, the the image of the vineyard, we begin to sort of realize that actually this is a passage about loving care. Um, and I find that a lot with scripture. You know, you read things at face value and you think, wow, God is vicious. Oh my goodness, he's vicious. You read this, you think, wow, he's just cutting things off. How dare he? Uh, but, but when we read into the context, when we let Seth explain the importance of a good pruning, we begin to realize that actually Father God loves us, cares for us, and wants to prune us, to enable us to grow uh, the good and perfect fruit that he's got to us, got for us. Um, And you know, what I found amazing in particular is that Jesus, we kind of read over it here, but so Jesus saying, I'm the vine, my father's the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Jesus, Jesus himself is inviting Father God to work on his life. Jesus is inviting Father God to come and, you know, almost seasonally prune him to make room for the fruit. If Jesus invites Father God to do that, how much more should we? N.T. Wright, lovely man apparently, uh, he writes this about this passage. Um, N.T. Wright's got these great little books um, oh my gosh, my children have taken lots of selfies. Right. N.T. <laughs> um, Wright, he's got all these books about, they're like commentaries on New Testament books, and they're called John for Everyone, or Ephesians for Everyone, or whatever. They are just amazing. Um, and I, they've like really transformed the way I read scripture, because I quite often will read them, read scripture and read that and it just really helps to unpack some of the context but he writes about this passage though it always hurts we must be ready for the father's pruning knife God is glorified and so will we be by bearing good quality fruit and lots of it for that to happen there will be extra growth that needs cutting away That too is an intimate process. The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. I'll read that last sentence again. The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. When we feel uh, God highlighting something in our life or we, we feel like he's, he's pruning something off us almost uh, we can run from that or we can embrace it um, I like to ride my bicycle um, I like to ride my bike uh, and uh, quite often in Manchester it rains so I've learned to become one with the rain uh, there's, there's a thing that happens and it's, it's like this, this you know cyclists with, there's kind of this this sacred bond that when it's torrentially raining, like we're just all friends. Uh, any other time, they're just in my way, get out, whatever. But when it's raining, you're just like in this together. Um, and I, you learn to embrace the rain and enjoy the rain. And uh, a couple of months ago, there was a huge storm, uh, and I've got a picture. So I came home, and it was crazy. I didn't even know what to do because I was so soaked through. And then the girls, uh, Pearl and Flo, 
they were there and they were like, oh, no, it's raining. And so I invited them to come out into the rain uh, and enjoy it with me. And they did. And they went crazy. Uh, and it's been like, they, they always reference it like, oh, do you remember when we were out in the garden in the rain? Um, it was only brief. I'm not totally careless. And they did have a bath straight after. But this idea of something that can appear so scary, uh, actually embracing it, uh, there's joy there. And that, that's when God highlights things and wants to sort of refine us, uh, we need to learn as Christians that that's a beautiful thing. And actually, that's his love at work in our lives. And it's for our good. It's so that we can bear fruit. Pearl and Flo have got this book about a caterpillar called Hermie. I believe I've got a picture. There he is. Hermie. <laughs> I love Hermie. Uh, it's actually quite a boring book, so don't go out and read it. I'll summarize. Uh, but a Christian kid's books, you've got a limited choice, so you make the most. Um, it's about Hermie the caterpillar, Hermie the common caterpillar. And basically, he has this continual crisis uh, where he sees other bugs, uh, he sees the ladybird, and it's beautiful. And then every night, Hermie prays, as I'm sure all caterpillars do. <laughs> That's him praying right there. Um, he looks to the heavens. And he prays, he says, God, why am I not as beautiful as the ladybird? And the next day he sees an ant. And he does the same thing, prays to the sky, why am I not as strong as the ant? Uh, and then there's another one, snail. Why have I not got a house like a snail on his back? Poor Hermie, it's really sad, to be honest. It's a real emotional journey. Um, but then God, every time, because God speaks back to caterpillars, I'm sure, God says to him, I love you as you are, but I'm not finished with you yet. Every time. That's all God says. And Hermes just like, yeah, but I'm still just a common caterpillar. <sighs> but what happens? Oh, but what happens? Obviously, one day after his night of prayer, he uh, builds this thing and he turns into a butterfly. And it's beautiful. And he's, you know, greater than all the other insects that he was comparing himself to. Uh and there's this journey of trusting God uh, that actually he's got something more for us. Um, uh, yes. I, there's this thing with Christianity, right? Where you become a Christian and you get like an identity change, right? So Jesus says it here in this passage. Ah. Uh, it was definitely here when I last looked. Uh, you were already clean because of what? Go on, if someone can find it. Three. There we go. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. There's this sense of when you become a Christian, you are made clean by God, right? You have an identity change. But then there's this journey of, you know, being refined, of bearing fruit, of not bearing fruit, of bearing fruit, cut bearing fruit, pruning. Um, I think a really good example of this is marriage. So to, to bring it up. Uh, but when, when you get married, you, you become married. There's like a moment. It's all very nice, very expensive. Lots of people. Um, and it happens, you get married. Woo, we are, I, we, are, we are married. And it becomes like, it's like categorically, you know, on your passport or I don't know, whatever forms, you are married. But 
that's like the identity change. But then actually, there's a long process where you figure out what it means. You figure out what it means to be, and you work out this whole. Okay, we've got to share things together. We've got to, you know, share my toys, my money, whatever. Uh, and there's a process where you have to make decisions to lay yourself down, to love, whatever. So it's both a moment of change, but also a process. Um, and when it comes to God working in our lives, pruning us, uh, you know, refining us. So we, when we become Christians, there's an identity change. You are safe, secure, made clean, but then there's a process, right? And that's, tonight, I want to invite us uh, to embrace that process afresh um, and to understand that it's good. You know, God is the best gardener. I don't know if anyone's watched Serengeti. No, it's just me. I'm aware that my TV choices have gone a bit middle-aged. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's the Serengeti region. It's just beautiful, incredible. If there's anyone that you can trust your, the vineyard of your life to, it's, it should be God. He, he's got the best plan for you. Michelangelo was a great guy. Was he good? Painter. All right, I'm, well, he was also a sculptor, Shah. Um, and there's this quote that <laughs> I know. Sorry, art history degree. Um, and he's got the sculpture of an angel, right? I believe it's called the angel. Doesn't know. Um, and there's this famous quote. Whether someone made it up or not, it's great. And he, he says, on reflecting this, I saw an angel in the marble, and I carved it until I set the angel free. Uh, and you know, God, when he looks at us, he sees pure potential. He sees the fruit that is possible. He sees everything that we could become. He sees the beauty, the ultimate beauty. And he's ready to work on us. You know, we talk about, when we talk about worship, quite often in our culture, in Christianity, we, we go to, we think, okay, Songs about God, songs to God, this moment on a Sunday. Uh, but, you know, worship throughout the Bible is all about whole lives laid down for God. It, although it does refer to gathered amazing moments of singing, it also refers to our whole lives. And this passage, Jesus is talking about, you know, are you going to surrender your whole life to God? Are you going to get let him work on the bits that need cutting off? Are you going to let him make room for the fruit in your life? True worshippers of Jesus allow him into every part of their life. Jeremiah, let's go there. Jeremiah chapter 18 Poor Jeremiah. He didn't have it easy. I was reading yesterday, you never invite an Old Testament prophet to a party. Because they generally are pretty sad and saying bad news. But Jeremiah, he, he introduces us to this beautiful picture of God. 
So Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word, sorry, they're still flicking. No, it's okay, right, got it. 18. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house. I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. This beautiful image. You know, we're just this like little lump of clay. All there squelchy on the spinning thing. And God is, he's the potter and he's ready to shape us, to form us. Uh, but as Jesus says in this chapter, there's almost a choice that we have to remain on the potter's wheel. Am I going to stay there? Am I going to jump off? Am I going to allow him to work in me, work through me? And, you know, as we remember from Seth in his oversized coat, um, it's too big for him. Uh, The pruning is the moment that decides how good the fruit is. The best winemakers are the best pruners, right? So it's almost like how much you allow God to work in your life, to to change your life. You know, we said, we need to move. We were singing that tonight. How much we allow ourselves to be moved uh, is proportional to the fruit we will see in our lives, I believe. God is the God of grace. So if you've completely screwed it up, like I have most of the time, There's still fruit for you, but that's not my point tonight. You know, abiding and remaining in God isn't a stagnant thing. It's not just like, I'm just going to go on in God. It's like pursuing uh, pursuing him, inviting him in constantly, going to him and saying, God, is, is this good? Like, what, is there a better focus for me? Is there something more? You know, that United Pursuit song, uh, says, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. There's something of that, isn't there? When everything we have, we go through life, we follow God, but equally we hold everything lightly. And we're saying, you know, God, if something doesn't fit here, take it. If you need to make room, make room. I don't know if any of you have made a campfire this summer, if you can call it a summer, I don't know. I did, I made many in June. Uh, and I learned a lesson about fire that making a fire is not just about cramming the logs in, but it's about the room between the logs, right? Because the oxygen has to go in the gaps. That's crucial. Um, so if the, the wood is all crammed together, then it won't be as good a fire. That's, I can't think of any better words. Uh, so the gaps are important. Uh, and much, it's much like that in a vineyard. The gaps between the branches are where the fruit comes. Uh, perhaps we need to allow God to make some gaps in our lives, make some space. Does it spark joy? Marie Kondo would say. She likes making space. God likes making space in our lives. Soul Survivor is this amazing thing. Got a picture? Ooh, look at that. 
Um, I went to Soul Survivor for about five years when I was 12 to 12 plus five. Um, if you don't know, it's just this kind of amazing little bubble for Christian teenagers. That they kind of It's a festival to go to it. And suddenly there's like 10,000 other Christians your age. And it's like, what? This is amazing. Uh, I can be a Christian. And then you go out for the year and you're like, yeah. And then you go back because you need a recharge. It was great. Got me through school. Praise the Lord. Um, in my eyes, Soul Survivor could do nothing wrong. Uh, and they've had an amazing, uh, just amazing year after year after year. It just seems like they keep going. But this year some of you might know, was their last year. And they, re- they, re- they released this like really strange press release. It was like a video and they were like, well, yeah, there's not really a reason other than each one of us on the board all felt God say, you should stop. Uh, and everyone's like, there's loads of questions like, oh, was it scandal? You know, who fell? Where's the affair? No, there's literally nothing. We just felt God say, stop. And then it was like, yeah, but you know, you must have felt it was drying up a bit. You must have thought, okay, it's, you know, less people are coming. We're not seeing salvation. But no, they literally, it was just going great guns, burning away. Yet they all felt God clearly say, oh, just yeah, stop now. That's great. And they did, which is such a challenge to me. Uh, it's, so, it's such a beautiful thing because how often do we think, now this is great. It must be great because it seems to be going well. Um, do we allow God to speak into those things and say, no, actually, that, that's done now. I've got something better for you. Um, Tony, you just have this picture that you posted when I was like a teenager. It was like this girl with a little cuddly toy. And God was saying, give me the toy. And she's like, no. And then the God behind his back has got this like giant teddy. It's great, great image. Um, and it's this whole idea of like, even when things are going great, if God asks us to lay something down, it's because he's got greater fruit. He's making room for greater fruit. I don't, what I don't want to do now is for you all to be like, sweet, I quit this, quit that, quit that, quit that. That's not what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is let's offer our lives to God and allow him to direct us. Allow him to prune us, to work on us. Um, And almost let's get into a routine of doing that because it's a seasonal thing. I, uh, over this last year, had a bit of a pruning myself. Um, I was having a great time doing the media for the church. Um, All seemed to be going all right. Um, So I used to work full time in this building. And then I really sensed God saying, you need to lay that down. Um, and yeah, you know, instantly I did know about a year it took me to clock on, uh, and I did, um, and I've now moved on slightly, uh, but it was a bit of a, like, walking off a cliff, really, because I didn't really have another guaranteed income, but what has happened is God's suddenly opened all these other doors for me to do freelance work, and it's just been, like, this incredible experience, um, that God's taken me on, and Mike has been able to step up into that media role, Mike Burke. But it was like, for me, it was a very big, there was nothing really bad about that situation. If anything, 
um, I was in like, you know, it's like number one Christian goal, isn't it? Work for the church. Uh, that's like when I was a child, I was like, I'll know I've made it when I'm employed by a church or something like. It's just, but you know, God said, you know, that you need to lay that down. Um, is there anything we're holding on to that actually we, you know, is good, but isn't isn't for us? Danny Silk um, tells this story on one of his courses um, about this guy and he needs to repair his car. Um, so he goes to a scrapyard to get a selection of parts with a car. And he goes to the scrapyard, but then he gets excited because he sees a fridge that's like beautiful, really expensive. Wow, that's amazing. Shove it in the car. Doo-be-doo-be-doo. Oh my goodness. Look at that tricycle. I'm making up things, Danny Silk says other things. In the car. Etc. etc. Look at that frying pan, that giant frying pan. Put it in there. Boom. Look at that parrot cage. I, I'm sure I could use a parrot cage. It's great. So, you know, it's clean, puts in, goes to the end, pays for it. Boom. He didn't get his car parts because he got distracted by the nice things. Sad, sad story. You know, life can be like that for us sometimes. It can be like, this is awesome, this is awesome, that's great. Surely God must be in that. Surely God must be in this. But actually, God has got a focused thing for every single one of us. You know, just because something's good doesn't mean it's right. Shonda Rhimes, she like writes most of the programs right now. I believe Grey's Anatomy was her big, big hit. Um, I read a book. Well, I listened to a book, but I like to say I read it. Um, and she, she, she talks a lot about how, because she's just super successful, and she gets asked a lot, like, how do you do it? How do you do all the things? How do you raise children and write all these things? Um, and her, one of her big passions in life is saying, you know, answering that question, like, I don't have it all together. I'm a mess. Like, I've had to sacrifice, uh, you know, time with my children in order to write and all these things. We, I think sometimes we can think, I can just do everything and it's going to be fine. But actually, God calls us to make difficult choices all the time um, with his guidance as to what he is calling us to specifically. Um, you can't fight every fight out there. On the 24-7 prayer, they've got this, uh, they've got a website, granted, uh, and it takes you on this journey when you go there. And uh, the first thing they ask you is, you've got to pick a fight. So they have all these causes you can get involved in, all these causes you can pray into. But they have this boxing glove, and you got, they say, pick one fight. You know, what is the fight that God's calling you to pick tonight? So the pruning of God is a beautiful thing, right? Hopefully you've got something of that. Hopefully now when you read John 15, you might think about the pruning bit as a good thing. So my question to you tonight is, are we allowing God into our lives? Are we actually open-handed? Are we saying, yes, God, just, just rearrange me uh, again this year because I want to be fruitful for you? Uh, you know, what's the fight that God's calling you to? 
but what are the other good things that are not where the fruit is for you? I'll just read that N.T. Wright quote again to finish. Though it always hurts, we must be ready for the Father's pruning knife. God is glorified, and so will we be, by bearing good quality fruit, and lots of it. For that to happen, there will be extra growth that needs cutting away. That too is an intimate process. The vine dresser is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has the knife in his hand. Let's just pray for a minute. Holy Spirit, in this moment, we just take a second to make room for you to blow through Thank you, God, that you call us into a spacious place. Thank you, God, that you've got, you know, an enjoyable, fruitful, focused purpose for each one of us. So, Father, right now, we just renew um, renew the decision we've made to give our lives to you. But not for the first time, God, but almost as like a seasonal thing that actually once more we're saying, God... It's time for a haircut. God, it's time for you to prune away things that are good, but where there's not fruit. God, would you show us where the fruit is? Let's just allow, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Just maybe God's going to highlight something for you that he wants to move around or whatever. Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? I believe for some of us here, there's, we've mistakenly thought that in order to serve God, we have to be burning the candle at both ends. We have to be just wrecking ourselves, doing everything. You know, the Miles Davis video we played before, Miles Davis is incredible because he leaves space. He's incredible because he knows when not to play. Um, so yeah, there's freedom here for tonight for people that have been overdoing it. Or there's freedom to wait on God. Freedom just to have space with him. Yeah, God, would you continue that process in us? Amen. Thanks, guys.